And as we remain standing, we will hear our scripture passages this morning, which come from Genesis, the 15th chapter, and parts of Philippians, chapters 3 and 4. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other, But he did not cut the birds in two. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And from our New Testament passage, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory, by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, Holy Spirit for helping us and guiding us and helping us to understand as we read and study God's Word. We pray as your Word is proclaimed that you open our hearts and our minds to receive your Word. Help me to get out of your way, Lord. For us in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Last night we were running around and Got back home and opened the back door of Tommy's truck, and Jay was sitting 
behind me. Usually I'll, I'll let him drive, but it was nighttime. And, and uh, you know, hey, I was driving at that age up here. I might as well let him. But anyway, he likes to drive, by the way. But anyway, as he got out of the, as he got out of the, the truck and set him, you know, out of the, all the, yeah, I, I had him all buckled up. But to get him out of that and set him out over on the, the concrete, all of a sudden, he looks up and he says, Golly, Daddy, look at all the stars. I said, Boy, Jay, there's, there's a bunch of them. I said, Why don't you count them? He counts to like 10, you know, and that, that's it. But anyway, our, our lectionary notes this week in talking about them says there's one septillion star, and that's probably a gross uh, underestimate of how many stars there really are. It baffles the 21st century uh, scientific mind. But anyway, last week we looked at the land, we looked at the tilled earth and the fruits that came from the ground. To ground us in our, our journey toward the heart of God during this season in Lent. We come together and, and we encounter our promise of a story, the identity, and what the road is like traveling to the cross. And we see this week, we turn our gaze upward, aspiring to imitate our Creator. The source of, of course, God's the source of all of our promise, our dreams, and our, our guiding star along the Lenten pathway. And we're to imitate God in our actions and in our discipline. And I don't mean, I don't mean that we imitate God by trying to keep the law. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. A set of rules and you go down checking them off. I'm talking about imitating God and what the scriptures teach. Imitating God is a means of grace. And imitating God in the way that we go about living our lives. And to imitate God, this is a, a commendable thing, especially in the world in which you and I live. To live our faith by trusting our Lord in the promises that our Lord has given to us. Problem with that, that I've had over the years, is this. That God's timetable is not the same as ours. That's the problem with that. You know, the scripture teaches that, that with God, a, a, a thousand years is like a day, and a day, a, a thousand years or something. I got close on that, didn't I? I, I isn't that right? Yeah. But, but anyway, it's not the same as ours. Just as far as the stars are from us, God's promises, they seem to be very far off for Abram. His promises seem to be far off to Abram. Abram was at the point in his life to where things needed to start to happen. I mean, after all, you know, the twilight of his, uh, uh, of his life, he had left home. Left his family, well, he brought his wife Sarai and his uh, nephew Lot and a few of their servants, some donkeys, some cows, and a goat or two, and all that, and here they come, you know, to Canaan. But anyway, he needed, at this point in his life, Abram needed to have his ducks in a row. Y'all know what I'm saying? Many of you here know what I'm saying. He had left, he had left 
his home. He had been to Egypt dodging a drought. By the way, when he went to Egypt, you remember he told Pharaoh that his wife was his sister. You all remember that? He said, no, she's my sister. She was his half-sister. But nevertheless, it was the intent, wasn't it, of him telling it. But anyway, so for Abram, it was time for God to get on with it. Get on with it. He cried out to God. Abram yearned for something closer and more concrete. He wanted to hold his own kiddo in his arms. He wanted to know that the land that he placed his feet was his. After all, that was the promise. You all remember the covenant that God made with Abram? And Abram was ready for God to do something about it. Hello, Lord, remember your promise? Hey. Perhaps with Abram, we know that we're in good company when we question and impatiently demand that we see proof of God's promises kept. The Lord came to Abram in a vision. Here's what he says. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. The Lord told him, he said, that dude's not going to be your heir. Eliezer is not going to be your heir. He brought him outside. And sort of like I did with Jay last night. Look, look up there. Look up to heaven. And count the stars if you're able to count them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Even when Abram questioned, this is the good news, even when Abram questioned or asked God, come on, come on, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm ready, I'm, I'm here. You know, baby, land, all that. I'm here, I'm good. Even when he questioned and asked God, he believed what the Lord told him, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. You see, it's not in the questioning. It's what we believe. Believing the, the promises, the word, and the words of our Lord. From the earliest civilizations, humanity tended to look to the sky for answers to all sorts of questions. People have marked celestial movements with, with great enthusiasm and sometimes with great fear. Perhaps if they looked up at the night sky, they would find their place, is what they would think, in the grand scheme of things. Or, or perhaps they believed that if they understood this one thing, then all the rest of the questions that they had in their lives would melt away. Don't you wish that was the way it was? Life would begin to make sense. The orderly beauty of the night sky is undeniable. It's like living a dream. We know that. When we look up at the night sky, we see the same stars that Abram saw. Isn't that something? The same stars that he saw. And, 
and on the night that he looked, or God told him to look up, he was asking, asking God some tough questions. We see the same stars that the Magi did as they read the sky in search of the new king who would free his people. The same stars that made the psalmist break out in song and claim that God had a name for each and every one of them. What happens, though? What happens, though, when, when God and God's promises seem as distant as the stars themselves? What happens when a family who has prayed for years for a child asks, along with Abram, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. Or what happens when someone loses a house? A job, health care. And in the struggle to survive, ask, Oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Certainty, certainty is elusive. In the world in which we live, each of us, every Every preacher and every congregation, every priest, every rabbi across the world, all of us, we have members in our congregation that are, that are waiting in the dark for urgent prayers to be answered and God's promise to come to fruition. All of us do. How do we keep faith? burning brightly in our hearts. When the stars that are meant to guide us grow dim and cold. Carolyn, reading our New Testament lesson this morning, the Apostle Paul says, here's how you do it. You imitate him and observe those who live accordingly to the example that you have in us. In other words, we keep living our lives day after day after day in the Lord. Not trusting in ourselves, friends. What did I say? In the Lord. That's how we do it. We place our hope in Jesus Christ. And we know that eventually that we will be with God. For you see, Paul reminds us in God's holy word that we are citizens of heaven. Paul knew what it was like. Paul knew what it was like. Shipwrecked. Beaten. Stoned. They thought, when they stoned him, they thought, literally, they thought he was dead. Imprisoned. He still imitated Christ. That's what he's telling us to do today. Loving. Forgiving. All of us giving pastoral care. All of us. Giving of ourselves so that others might come to faith. Until this moment in Genesis, Abram has unquestionably done everything that God has asked of him. Left his homeland, built some altars, made some bad decisions parted from some of his family, all the while following God's promises of land and descendants, 
expecting that to happen. And as chapter 15 opens, Abram has begun to question whether this promise of land and offspring, will it ever come to pass? You ever been there? I have. You ever been there? Lord, when's it going to happen? The promises that you made to us. It appears, you see, that Abram was willing to have faith up to a point. Then the fulfillment of the promises of God became implausible. That's precisely when the questions, confusion, fear, the obstinance sits in. I have often why this happens to so many people, especially, especially church folks, especially church people. Why does this happen? We start out so excited. We start out so excited for the Lord, believing God's promises to us. And then in time to come, in time to come, our faith begins to fade. I'm reminded of, of the teaching that, that Jesus did with the parable of the sower when he, he told the parable of the, of, the, of the different types of soil. Remember the path and, and the, the thorns and the, the stone and in the good soil? As I was working on this sermon, that, that reminded me of that. Abram was walking in this human journey just as you and I do. If we're grounded in our faith, if we're grounded in our journey, we too trust the promises of God. If we keep walking on our journey and these promises don't seem to be any nearer than when we began, then we start to question. We question our own faith. We question God's faithfulness. The possibility of our dreams the hurt of human suffering, the fear of life itself. It's a painful place to be, sitting on the ground and staring up at a sky that seems so far away as we can only imagine. Ironically, paradoxically, it is precisely this experience that's the catalyst that's the catalyst for our growth in faithfulness as it was for Abram. It is in the questioning that Abram, that he learns to trust again. Lent, we know, is a, is a transformation of our hearts, question by question. Abram's heart is being shaped into a more trusting heart. Perhaps for folks in our congregation, starting with preachers, that we might need to learn the same lesson this Lent. As we explore our own wildernesses and our own dreams, how do we love the unlovable? How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we outdo one another? showing hospitality. 
I mean, our, our lives are so busy. How do we do that? How do we take care of the widow? How do we take care of the orphan? How do we give up our pew? How do we love them? How do we imitate Christ with all the glitter and, and all of the power that we have at our fingertips called technology? How do we imitate Christ when we have a billion different things going on in our lives? We want answers to our questions. And Lord, if it's not too much trouble, we want them now. Yet we learn from God's Word to trust God in every aspect of our life, of our lives. To trust God. Even when we stumble around in the wilderness, friends, my dear, dear friends, God is still God. We learn to serve God with a broken and contrite heart. That's what the Scripture says that's required of us anyway, is to have a broken and contrite heart. Then we'll, then we'll depend on God. When we get to that point, we'll depend on God. For you see, God's grace is sufficient in every aspect of our life. Our hearts are just as fragile as Abram's was. It's this, at this point in our journey. Then we can say, then we can say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Abram sets a familiar pattern for Lent in our cycle of faith and doubt, and then finally trust. What our lectionary reading led out, left out today, that Carolyn didn't read, she wasn't supposed to read it. What our lectionary reading leaves out is a part of Abram's dream that says before God's promises will be fulfilled. And they will be because God always fulfills God's promises. We all know that. That there will be a time of struggle in a time of hardship. Just like the lectionary, I'd really like to skip over that piece. And I'm sure you would too. 400 years is a long time to keep trusting, to keep moving, to keep following God through a land that's not our own. But this is what this long season of Lent is about. We're given time. We're given time in the wilderness to ask the tough questions and to learn to trust our heart to God's heart, our steps to God's pathway. The way may be long and it may be winding, but the God who set the stars in the motion simply by speaking them into being will guide us on our journey. On our journey. You know, we... I think it's always a good thing to question. Question. The neat part, the grace-filled part of this right here is that 
Abram questioned, but he never stopped believing. You know, hey, I'm ready for all this to happen. You know, come on. But he never stopped believing. That's where we are today. I know this much. I know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ promised us this. He said, I will never leave nor forsake you even into the end of the age. Claim that this day. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.